story, what this has to do with spiritual warfare. And I think this has everything to do with how we approach spiritual matters. Given our context and the culture that we live in, uh, even in the church, uh, there is often an air of anti-supernaturalism. Uh, being educated as we are, we, we imbibe uh, uh, what is the common view of our culture of naturalism, that we live in this controlled, uh, uh, that we're, basically we live in a box where nature is all there is, was, ever will be, and what is real is what can be seen, what can be measured, what can be quantified. Uh, there are even uh, Christian theologians of the 20th century, uh, Rudolf Boltman, uh, who made a statement to the effect uh, that one cannot use things like electricity and wireless radio and still believe in the existence of spirits and angels and demons. And yet, when we deny the truth of the supernatural world that is present around us, even now we rob ourselves of a great source of confidence. So, Second Kings chapter 8. Once, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came there by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15, when the servant and the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayers of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led him them to Syria. To Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them. 
that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master, and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do lift up uh, this church in Texas uh, that has been plagued by another shooting. Uh, we are thankful that the casualties aren't as high as they could have been. We pray for peace and comfort for the families who have lost loved ones and uh, the, those in the hospital. We pray your healing hand uh, to be upon them. And as we study this passage, I pray that you would open our eyes, Father, to the unseen world that is around us. There are spiritual realities going on around us all the time that we're often blind to. But may we be able to have a glimpse of them through the eyes of faith, knowing what is going on, knowing that there is indeed a spiritual warfare going on, that we do have an enemy that seeks to destroy us. With our eyes open in faith, uh, may we know that not only uh, are those numbers with us greater, but may we have confidence that Jesus, the one who is with us, is greater than all the threats and forces of the enemy. For this we pray in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. The king of Syria keeps having his plans divulged against him. He takes the immediate assumption that there is a spy in his midst, which is an understandable assumption. If all your secrets, somebody keeps knowing all your secrets, you're going to assume that somebody you're telling your secrets to is telling them until he comes to the realization from one of his servants uh, that it is a prophet of God. And the king doesn't even question it. He, he takes it as a matter of fact that if Elisha is a prophet of the Most High God, then uh, God is obviously telling Elisha the king's secrets, obviously telling uh, the king what he is speaking in the bedroom, what he is speaking in the most private areas of his life, and rather than dealing with the, the issues that obviously he's angering God, he comes up with the plan that he's going to get his armies and somehow trap Elisha. Not, not a very well thought out plan if you think about this. If Elisha knows where the armies of the king of Assyria are at all times and keeps telling the king of Israel and keeps foiling his plans... I'm not sure how he thought this plan was going to go for him, but he goes with this plan. He has his horses in his chariots. He thinks he's going to overtake Elisha with superior forces. So he probably knowingly on Elisha's part, I have no doubt that Elisha knew what was going to happen overnight. He knowingly surrounds the city of Dothan where Elisha is. And here in the morning, Elisha and his servant wake up to this troubling sight. Now imagine that. You, you wake up and you're surrounded by people that want to do you harm. Now, the natural inclination for all of us is to be like the servant. To focus on what we see. There's a lot of bad guys that want to do us harm. In many ways uh, in regards to life, we're so much like this servant. 
we fixate upon what we see in front of us with our physical eyes. We fixate on what we can hear with our physical ears. But we are blind uh, literally to those things that we cannot see. It says, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? This servant, who would have known God's past dealings with his people, this servant, a Jewish servant, a servant of the prophet, who would have known what God had done in the ministry of Elijah as well, is so fixated on what is physical that he has forgotten the spiritual realities of God. And so he feels that there is no hope for them in this situation. The, the question, what shall we do, is almost like we can do nothing. What are we going to do? Just surrender. Let's uh, surrender ourselves to the Assyrians. But the reality is, at this moment in time, Elijah's eyes are open to a reality, an even greater reality, that his servant's eyes are blind to. And notice what Elisha does here. Notice his prayer. Notice what happens. Elisha tells him in verse 16, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then to reassure his servant, Elisha prays to God, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Elisha doesn't pray that God would change anything about their circumstances. Elisha prays that his servant would simply have the spiritual discernment to see what is spiritually present that his physical eyes cannot see. He doesn't pray and say, Lord, send down a host of angels here to protect us. He is praying that his servant's eyes would be open to their presence as Elisha is sensitive and aware of their presence. A lot of people say if they can't see it, touch it, feel it, or hear it, they're not going to believe it. But even in our own lives, even in our own technological age, that's a very absurd attitude to have. Our life and our society is built on the reality of things that we cannot see, touch, or hear. I'm sure every one of us in this room right now owns a cell phone. And, and, uh, and you, you look, there's no wires connecting it to anywhere. And yet somehow, in a way that we cannot see, uh, hear, or touch, uh, it transmits what we do to a cellular tower, onto satellites, all over the world. We might not see those things things but we know their effects there's a spiritual world uh, that we live in and participate in and even though uh, our physical eyes cannot see it even though our physical ears cannot hear it, uh, we see its effects 
in our lives. And so Elisha simply prays that, that his servant's eyes would be open to the greater realities around him, and that having his eyes open to those greater realities, uh, he would not be fearful, but he would be believing and have a great confidence in what Elijah said, and that those who are with them are more than those who are with them. The Lord indeed opens his eyes, and what does he see? He does not see uh, the armies of Israel. He sees the Lord's armies. Verse 17, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They were, were there the whole time. They were there when the army encircled the city. They were there when the servant woke up and saw the armies of Syria and panicked, waking up Elijah saying, Alas, my master, what shall we do? They were there the whole time. And those spiritual realities are at play in our world today. As we go on in this series, uh, uh, many of uh, these presuppositions that we have as quote-unquote enlightened Americans will be challenged. Because when you take out the American view of life and the world and how everything operates and put it against the Word of God, they don't mesh well. You know, the average quote-unquote educated American uh, would not ascribe a great value to invisible spiritual forces uh, that are at work in the world, uh, uh, that, that are at work over this present darkness. And yet Paul, as we're going to see later on, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, uh, says uh, that we are not at war with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, uh, those in control over this present darkness. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we, we want to put our finger on those people that we can see, those influences that we can put our hands on and say those things are the ultimate problem, but there is a spiritual reality to life. There is a spiritual reality to our lives because we have an enemy uh, that, as Peter says, seeks, uh, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy that hates us greatly. Sometimes we, we can think uh, that that person uh, that cut us off, uh, uh, they're our worst enemy. Or that friend or family member that wrote us off and wants nothing to do with us, uh, they're our worst enemy. Your worst enemy, you have never looked your worst enemy in the eye. You've never uh, physically stood in the same room as your worst enemy. Your worst enemy is the devil. And oftentimes, we as believers, uh, there are two temptations in our Christian life. We either ascribe every single thing to the devil and the demonic. So you hear that person, uh, they have a car trouble, and you know it's like a demon got up in my engine. Demon uh, caused my belts to go out. No, belts just break out. Cars uh, wear out. Or there's the complete denial of the spiritual and, in many cases, the demonic. 
that assumes that, that there is a quantifiable explanation for everything. And I think uh, some of the greatest problems uh, that our society are, are, are facing right now are because we have lost the understanding of the spiritual realities of life. It's interesting, uh, the Greek word used for sorcery in the New Testament and that cognate that's used in the Greek translation of Old Testament uh, is the Greek word pharmacopoeia. Because uh, the Greeks and the ancients, uh, they understood and believed that by taking psychoactive substances, they were opening themselves up to the spiritual world. Remember uh, last October, it was uh, around home. It was actually uh, the day before homecoming at uh, the church I was pastoring, and I, uh, we had our guest band. They were setting up their instruments, and a young man had come uh, by uh, while they were there, and uh, they brought him to me, and I, I sat and talked with him uh, for over two hours in my office. Scared Heather straight to death because she kept trying to call the office, but I didn't want to be rude and interrupt the guy because uh, shortly after we started talking, he told me he had woken up that morning wanting to find somebody to beat the mess out of uh, just for the fun of it. So I don't want to offend him. But in that conversation, two, two, two things, uh, several things uh, came. Uh, he, he was telling me about his youth of methamphetamines, uh, that he wasn't like other meth users, that he used it responsibly. But on the other hand, he was telling me uh, how he heard what he described as demonic voices in his head telling him things, telling him uh, lies, deceiving him, uh, making him see things. In our day and age, we would chalk that all up to drugs. We would just say, you know, that's just drugs. If we look at it through the eyes of the Old Testament and the New Testament, what that man did, if we understand uh, the demonic activity, he has opened his life by lowering his guard, using these psychoactive substances to really dark spiritual forces. Now, sad to say, in our context, in Christianity, you don't hear many pastors talk about demonic possession. You don't hear many pastors talk about demonic oppression. And yet, they're realities we find reflected in the New Testament. Wherever Jesus went in his earthly ministry, he was confronted by those that were possessed or oppressed by the forces of darkness. And yet many in our own day and age who profess to be believers in Christ would tell you those demonic realities, those forces of darkness aren't real. And yet the scientific explanations for these things that we see going on and the so-called scientific remedies for many of these things leave no one helped. Where do we find hope for those in darkness? Um, if we think that this darkness is uh, strictly uh, natural and biological and chemistry related, then uh, you, you look for the doctor, you look for the chemist. But if, uh, as uh, the New Testament seems to make clear, there is an element 
of the unseen world at hand, who do we look to? We look to the Lord. And he prays to the Lord. He, he, he prays to the covenant God, Yahweh, who has made himself known to his people, who has revealed himself to his people. You know, we live in a time where many people will say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. You know, uh, that would be like saying, I don't affiliate with a political party. I just like all politics. I like all politicians. You're just opening uh, yourself up to a, a wide range of mess. We don't practice a vague sort of spirituality where we talk to one spirit one day and another spirit another. We come to our Father who we worship in spirit and truth, who is the Lord, who is Yahweh, who is the one who made the heavens and the earth. And it's to this God, Elisha prays. He, he is surrounded by something that uh, any of us in that situation, we would be terrified. Any one of us in that situation will wake up in our living room and see an army filled with weapons ready to cut down our lives. We're, we're going to be waving the white flag saying, we surrender. Elisha and his servant, they both see the army, but Elisha sees the Lord's army. And Elisha prays uh, that his eyes would be open. The panic's gone. When we have our eyes open to the spiritual realities, not just to the darkness, we can see the effects of the darkness pretty well. But what we need most in our spiritual life is to have our eyes of faith fixed on Christ. Because we can't see Christ with our physical eyes. We can't physically reach out and hold his hand. Uh, as uh, Paul says in the New Testament, we walk by faith, not by sight. Because we realize that the things unseen are actually greater than the things that are unseen. Which is very counterintuitive uh, to how much we're taught in our Western culture. But it's very much how life is in our Western culture. So, so much of how we communicate. Uh, uh, you know, the almighty almost cell phone. Uh, our technology, our society is built on the idea that these unseen things are real and present. Elisha prays, his servant's eyes are open, and then he prays again, and the Lord strikes uh, the Syrians with blindness. And he leads them to the city and they find themselves in the same situation that they were going to have Elisha in, surrounded by an enemy army. And while they never saw with their spiritual eyes the armies of the Lord, they never saw the flaming armies of the Lord of hosts, which could have cut them down like that in a second... They saw the effects of the Lord. You know, when they found themselves blind and guided by Elisha to Samaria and found themselves right before the king with the king's soldiers ready to cut them down at the mere suggestion of Elisha, although they never saw 
the armies of the Lord, they came away with, with a, uh, enough belief in God and his power that they never bothered Elisha again, and they never bothered Israel again. Verse 22, 23. So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Now imagine, uh, imagine the report that army brought back. You know, we surrounded him, and then he took us to his king, and we almost got killed, but he let us off. I imagine after they told all their friends what had happened to them, especially with what had happened before with Elisha, supernaturally knowing every command the king had given the army, I don't think uh, if, if, even if the king of Syria wanted to attack Israel again and wanted to go after Elisha again, I don't think he could have gotten a single soldier willing to do it after they had told their friends what had happened. Because uh, they had walked away, like Elisha's servant, well, with enough confidence and belief in the unseen God that they weren't going to try to mess with him again. And as we continue on uh, in this series on spiritual warfare, we need to pray that the Lord will open our eyes. Sometimes that having our eyes open uh, might not be what we want to happen. It's easy to want to ignore uh, what's behind the darkness in our culture. You know, it's easy to say, you know, it's politics, it's the universities, it's the entertainment. What's challenging for us, but what's needful is to know uh, that there are dark and demonic forces out there in the world. You know, when we think about things like the shooting in Texas, Everyone wants to try to find a natural explanation for that. But we live in a society that rejects the primary explanation that there is real, personable evil in the world. Even those uh, that profess to be Christians want to deny that. There are many liberal theologians that will tell you uh, when the scriptures speak of Satan and the devil, uh, uh, you know, that's just all fairy tale talk. That's mythology that needs to be cast aside. But the devil that we find in scripture, Satan, the forces of darkness, they are just as real as the light. They are just as real as Christ. And we can't Pick one part of the Bible we want to believe and accept because it makes us happy and reject the other. Now, the reason why we need the light, the reason why we need Christ who is the light of the world is that we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of darkness, the first John 5 tells us, lies under the evil one. And as we go on in the series, uh, we're, we're going to be looking at the strategies, how Satan uh, tries to attack us, how Satan tries to deceive others, and how we can respond firm in our faith, and also how we can avoid going off into unbiblical extremes. 
Because I think a lot of pastors avoid uh, the demonic because there are a lot of unbiblical extremes out there in, in regards to spiritual warfare. You know, I think oftentimes when we think of the demonic, our, our first thought is uh, movies like The Exorcist. That's not what we find in the Bible. And hopefully, as we continue on, our eyes will be open. And like the servant of Elisha, our, having our eyes open will give us great confidence, not in ourselves, but in the greatness of our God. Because our faith in Christ is the victory that has overcome the world. It is the victory that has overcome the evil one. Now in Revelation it tells us uh, that uh, the saints uh, overcame uh, the evil one by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Christ is enough to conquer the darkness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word. And do pray uh, that in the coming weeks as uh, we continue to study the issue of spiritual warfare, that our eyes will be open. Our eyes will be open in our day-to-day lives uh, at those unseen realities. And that we would lean upon you. That we would uh, stand in your strength against these forces of darkness. Because we know that when we are about your work... The enemy will not love us for it and will seek to attack us. But I pray uh, this study of this issue will give us great boldness as we seek to be obedient to Christ in opposition to the enemy. For this we pray in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.